0: FindLaw is the internet's top destination for free legal information for consumers and small businesses. Their nationwide attorney directory makes it easy to find the right attorney near you for your situation. FindLaw's legal forms and services allow you to create an estate plan affordably and from the comfort of your home. I think it's fantastic how easy it is to use. The resources are tremendous. One of the things you might want to check out is the Don't Judge Me podcast, the show about the law in real life. Fine Law's Don't Judge Me has a lot of opinions, jokes, insightful guests, and in-depth discussions about hot topics in the law. What they don't have is a lot of retention or corporate oversight, those things you might be uncomfortable with when it comes to legal topics. The hosts are lawyers and writers at Fine Law, the primary online destination for all things legal. They hope you have as much fun listening as they have making it. You can listen now on Apple podcasts to get free legal resources anywhere you are, head to findlaw.com today. That's F-I-N-D-L-A-W.com. Welcome to the human capital innovations podcast, where your source for personal, professional and organizational growth and development to the Human Capital Innovations Podcast. In this HCI podcast episode, I talk with Brian McComick about his upcoming book, Humanity in the Workplace, a blueprint for building an inclusive and equitable company culture. Ryan McComick, welcome to the Human Capital Innovations Podcast. Thank you so much, John. I'm delighted to be here. It is a pleasure to be with you. I am south of Salt Lake City in Utah. Where are you
1: joining us from today? Today, I'm joining from Fort Lauderdale, Florida, which has actually been consistent for a little while because I was one of the nomads during the pandemic. So it's nice to have like a place to call home again.
0: Yeah, that's wonderful. Having a home is wonderful, though I also am jealous of the nomad life. I kind of had this desire to to buy a Sprinter van and just roam the country and, and stay wherever I, I happen to be. But, anyways, that's another topic for another day. Uh, wonderful to be with you. I'm really pleased to have the opportunity to talk about. DEI stuff, diversity, equity, and inclusion, and how to create a human-centered workplace. Of course, that's what your book is all about, um, and that's what we'll be unpacking and discussing together today. As we get started, I wanted to share Brian's bio with everybody. Brian McComick is a diversity and inclusion consultant, speaker, author, and facilitator with over 20 years of experience in D&I, HR, company culture, change management, internal communications, and employee experience. He is the founder and CEO of Hummingbird Humanity, a consulting firm that cultivates and champions inclusive workplace cultures and human-centered leadership. He is also the author of Humanity in the Workplace, a blueprint for building an inclusive and equitable company culture, which was released in 2022. Again, a pleasure to be with you. Anything else you would like to share with me or my listeners
1: by way of your background before we launch in? Sure, the first thing we should I we need to give you an updated bio on the release date. So, uh it's it will be released actually in Q1 of 2023. Um it was uh, the original plan was to release it this year and uh, I realized I wanted to do a little bit more work on the manuscript. Uh so um it'll be out in Q1 of 2023. So, stay tuned for more, you know, for updates on that for all of you listening and we'll we'll talk more about later how you can uh, fo- follow those updates and and buy the book in a in a few months.
0: Well, I know uh, writing a book is a big process and getting it to completion and actually um getting it out there it's a big step so i I get it and i get taking your time and making sure you have everything just the way you want it so that's fantastic and again it's a great topic so i'll be anxiously awaiting uh the release
1: of this book you know what i want to embody the human-centered leadership philosophy because i gave such a a good answer there Of like i wanted to do a little bit more work on the book which is which is true Um, from the side of vulnerability, uh, which I think is, you know, something that is so important for leaders today, um, one of the things I learned is I um, have sort of pushed back on the release date because I'm a little nervous about people reading my book. Uh, I'm excited to bring it to life and uh, and certainly am, am really proud of the, the, the message and I hope it makes an impact. Um, and uh, I've had to like say like find that bravery um and um and and letting others uh read that you know the the book um the manuscript which will become a book and um the stories that I have to share there so um you know I, and and I love that that's you know the 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 conversation we're having today is about how do we bring those conversations to the workplace cuz I went to like my corporate training there for a second which is we're going to make this sound like there was a plan behind it and the plan was Brian was a little scared thank you thank you for that honesty I, and
0: I think anyone who who writes or or produces anything creative, and sends it out into the world uh, for consumption, uh, understands that feeling, <laughs> like you never quite know how things are going to be received. And it's you're always vulnerable when you do that. Uh, so thank you for sharing that. And it's it's a good model for anyone listening. Uh, it's okay to lean into our, our concerns. And, and we, we all have things we're scared of. And that's fine. Uh, that's part of the human condition. Uh, we learn to navigate that, and ultimately, you take that step into the darkness and you you, you have courage and bravery and you, you you get that book out into the world and I'm sure it'll be well received and it'll be a fantastic contribution. So thank you, Brian. All right. So let's talk about some of the paradigms that you're exploring in your book that you talk about in your consulting work uh, around workplace diversity uh, and, and what you think might be hindering progress in that
1: space. <clears throat> as with any puzzle or challenge like this we I, we can tackle it from a, a few different lenses so I'll, I'll um i'll start with one lens around um the 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 messages that we all received um in corporate life of what we should and shouldn't bring with us and so we just talked about one of those messages and the way that i like to 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 frame it is uh, I, my first career was in movie theater operations, so I worked in in a field um operation environment, which tend to, doesn't tend to have the same um, rules as corporate life. And so I got to be a real human there. and um, my you know, my best friends, I worked with them and um, and we were real humans together. The first day I walked into a corporate office, um, nobody told me that i should take what i say is take off my coat of emotions but i knew i was supposed to um my friend ann says she she calls it having to take off your human suit so you sort of take off the human suit and become this robot that has to fill all these boxes and expectations and do all these things and um you know that isn't helpful like the reality is we are humans and we we do bring um our emotions with us and our lived experiences with us and what we also know is that um lived experiences are um and the that there's systemic oppression that impacts people based on their lived experience and we need to understand those experiences so if we if we pretend all that humanity is outside of the four walls then we've missed the point of of how we can make our organizations thrive. Uh, Because what I do believe as well is if you ask any leader, what's the most critical... Component of your organization or, or part of your organization—it's the people that work there. So, how do you help them? You um, really um, have an environment where they can do their best work and be their best selves. So, you know, so there's that there's that one one perspective, and there's certainly lots of lenses around the impacts on the people there, um, and and in the cultures that we've had in organizations in the past. And so, I offer some some ways to sort of rethink the the cultural um, uh, aspects of organizations and focus on the heart and soul. Um, so that's sort of one bucket. The, another one that I'll highlight. Um, um, and, and then we can, you know, see if there's others you'd like to explore. Is the, I think the uh, the I'll, I'll use the I'll t- continue with the heart and soul message there. Uh, so I talked about it from an individual perspective and how it's affecting us individually. Well, organizations, what I believe um, we ha- we need to find ways to engage our heart and soul from a an organizational design perspective and a focus on um, how. Um, Uh, What are the the strategic imperatives and the initiatives and the energy behind that? Um, And I think what's happened over the last 20 years, 25 years, is HR as a function has really become a human capital function um, and is focused on driving business impact, which is great. I'm all for that. I was an HR person for many years. and I love the evolution of HR as driving business impact. What I think we lost in that equation is some of the humanity um, and the, um, the, the heart and soul that HR professionals were Caretaking around, um, and not to say that that doesn't still happen in some workplaces around the globe. And and I you know I want to give credit to all the HR people who do the, the important and challenging work they do every day. Um, but I I think that we have an opportunity to reimagine um at the, that the the role of HR and potentially a new role um, or function that in, that focuses on the heart and soul or purpose, which would include DEI and. Well being and um, philanthropy and volunteerism or social impact, which is how we call that. So, um, so I think there's some organizational things and then there's some cultural things um, that, um, and that's what the book's all about. Hear that? That's your sign
0: to this year. Finally, forget about those run of the mill resolutions and instead start your own New Year's revolution. It's the sound to start selling on Shopify. Shopify is the e-commerce platform revolutionizing millions of businesses worldwide. Whether you're selling succulents or stilettos, Shopify simplifies selling online and in person so you can focus on successfully growing your business. Shopify covers every sales channel from an in-person POS system to an all-in-one e-commerce platform. It even lets you sell across social media. Marketplaces like TikTok, Facebook, and Instagram, it's packed with industry-leading tools ready to ignite your growth. Shopify gives you complete control over your business and your brand without having to learn any new skills in design or code. And thanks to 24-7 help and extensive business course library, Shopify is there to support your success every step of the way. What's incredible to me about Shopify is how no matter how big you want to grow, Shopify is there to empower you with the confidence and control to revolutionize your business and take your business to the next level. Now it's your turn to get serious about selling and try Shopify today. This is possibility powered by Shopify. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash HCI, all lowercase. Go to shopify.com slash HCI to take your business to the next level today. Shopify.com slash HCI. Check out my new book, The Future Leader, Creating and Transforming Next-Gen Organizations. Stemming from two decades of professional experience and over 600 in-depth interviews with executives, thought leaders, and scholars from across the globe, The Future Leader will help you explore the ordinary, everyday actions that will help you to prepare to lead in the future of work, to respond to an uncertain future, and to produce extraordinary results for individuals, teams, and organizations. Check out the HCI Academy and our many course offerings and certificates to upskill and reskill for the future of work. I, I completely agree. So on the one hand, we, there's been this move towards metrics and people analytics and building the business case around HR, the HR function and all of that. Because it's the the corporate speak, right? It's 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 what people in other areas that's the language that they understand. Uh, so I often talk about when I have these kind of conversations on the podcast or with other people or in my own consulting work. You know, I have the conversation around you know there's the business case for why we do things, and that's important to lay out to make sure it's clear to everybody. Uh, but there's also the human case, and we mm-hmm. we should also be very clear about the human case uh, and. They, they usually go together, right? You usually if you if you focus on the well being of your people, and in this case, you know, we're talking about DEI stuff, but any sort of well being of your people that's going to drive better bottom line outcomes for the organization so the two go hand in hand and I think in a lot of people's minds a lot of executives who may not come from uh, the HR kind of background or the people management background, they, they often see it as a dichotomy, like you either focus on the bottom line, or you work on or you work and focus on your people. And I think the research bears out that that's just not true. When you focus on your people, in the human case behind it, it'll also feed into the business case, and you'll help everyone succeed and win. And so I, I just think bringing the human component back into it is really, really important. And that's something we can't talk about enough, I think. Um, especially in this day and age of data analytics and AI-driven decision making and, and some of those types of things.
1: Yeah. Oh, abs- absolutely. Um, I have a one of the CEOs that I, I get to work with. Uh, we were having a version of this conversation. And um, what was what was cool about starting to work with him and his organization is uh, he already had uh, so many beliefs and uh, that aligned with what we're talking about. For he wanted to create a human centered environment. Uh, environment that wasn't what he called it, but that's what he was trying to create. And his uh, one of his core leadership beliefs is that. Um, Profit or and revenue is an outcome of what he does to lead the people at the company. So he focuses his energy on um, creating an environment where the the people that work there can excel. And uh, I thought that was a really interesting pivot because I think what we in those meetings in those you know various rooms and conference rooms and boardrooms uh, we look at spreadsheets. Uh, so there's numbers on you know so a spreadsheet or a PowerPoint deck, and um, we are making decisions about the outcomes uh, and. That's important. I'm not saying ignore the numbers or or um, or don't leverage that information because it's critical. I think what's what's maybe has been lost is the, the 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 reality that every single number behind it is a person or a group of humans. And as you're making those decisions, how do you keep those humans in mind? Uh, so I think that's. Um, I, I hope we can do more of that. Um, and I do think the the pandemic has um created uh, room for this conversation to emerge in a um in a way that it really wasn't there wasn't i don't think as much space for it a few years ago. so um you know in the in the silver linings uh, uh, you know look at the pandemic, that's one of the silver linings for me is that we get to have these conversations and and hopefully not only will it help the success of companies and businesses, but also that it'll make the world better for people. Uh, so i'm I'm excited to see where this goes.
0: Yeah, the pandemic really has pushed us that direction. The tight labor market has pushed people in that direction to organizations in that direction. We just have to focus more on the well-being of our people and kind of the emergence of empathy as a core leadership competency. Uh, You know, that's something that certainly was talked about before, but it's been talked about more in the last couple of years than I remember it ever being talked about in the decades prior so I think that's a win we have to recognize that people are real people they're human beings they have stuff that happens outside of work uh, we can't just assume people are going to compartmentalize you know the stuff that happens at home uh, and then come you know like walk through the door and automatically shut all that off like that's just not the way we work that's not the way our brains are that's not the way our emotions work Uh, That's not the way stress and anxiety works. It all blends together. And so we just need to have some compassion. We have to have some empathy. We need to recognize, meet people where they're at, support them the best we can. When we do those things, then, you know, our people feel valued, they feel uh, needed, wanted, they feel like they have the opportunity to contribute in meaningful ways that they can be their authentic self in the workplace, so on and so forth. All of that human centeredness then again, you know, leads to greater productivity, greater efficiency, greater creativity, greater innovation, all those things which lead to better profits, better customer retention, all of those things. So again, it all goes hand in hand. And I think the organizations that have leaned into that during the pandemic, uh, they've become employers of choice. And as we have the great resignation, you see people leaving, going other places, uh, looking at, you know, for greener pastures elsewhere they're flocking to those employers of choice and the ones that haven't embraced it. And they kind of screwed over their people or just were pretty, um, pretty callous towards them during the pandemic. They're losing all their good people. And now they're, they're floundering trying to figure out how they can survive.
1: Yeah. Well, and, and I, I think it's, um, it's important. And I encourage leaders and decision-makers to um, uh, as you're making business decisions. uh, So, One thing I like to say is I don't really care whether you get to this conversation because you think it's good for your bottom line or it's good for people or it's good for people. It's good for both. Wherever you're starting from, thanks for joining the conversation. Let's do some good work together. Um, And so, you know, for those leaders who didn't focus on humanity part of this conversation over the last couple of years and are really focused on the business impact and outcomes that that the human centered uh, leadership um, conversation uh, can can emerge the, uh, the, com- the, that conversation from the pandemic, um, uh, that we're talking about here, we're talking about from a workplace context. The other side of it is people have said life's too short, um, life's too short to be miserable at a place that I, that I don't want to work or that doesn't treat me well. And, and there are choices and I can move to a different place. I can, um, you know, I can be, I can join the gig economy. So I think workers have a, a much, um, expanded, uh, understanding and awareness that they have more of a choice than ever before in where they get to work and uh, what that looks like. Uh, so if you want the best people, you have to create an environment where they want to be. Um, and uh and I think that's a, a new a new lens to think about it through. Uh, I think the, the other part of that I also think is important for leaders to and decision makers to think about is the changing demographics of the world. Uh, you know, in by 2040, the uh, United States population will be uh, predominantly people of color. Uh, so, w- whether you're looking at it from your your employee base or from your um, your customer or clientele base, the reality is the workplaces that you, we lead today have to change to engage the 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 evolution of the demographics of our workforce. So, if you're you know if you're focused on the the long term success of your organization, get in the conversation.
0: Yeah, yeah. And so all of this feeds into diversity, equity, and inclusion. I've mentioned belonging as well. That's often included in the acronym. Um, So as we think about DEI or DEIB, what are some, and you've already talked about some of the, the old paradigms that are perhaps harmful or hindering our development what are some of those mindset shifts that need to happen as we move more towards that people first way especially for people who are just kind of locked in and embedded in this old way of thinking how do we disrupt that so they can start to embrace this new approach
1: i'll share that i have um perhaps a well i have a very specific perspective on how we can move this conversation forward um so I was an HR professional for many years and I was then a DEI professional and now I combine those skills and experiences and understandings uh, um, into the work that we do at Hummingbird. Uh, when I think about the the way that DEI has been done, um, that, and if this is a perception, there's, this isn't necessarily as with anything you generalize, something it doesn't mean it's true everywhere in every person and every organization, but generally the work that, that, and the approach to DEI uh, over the years has made people feel bad. Um, and it has, it has felt accusatory and it has felt blameful. Um, and, uh, and so then people don't want to engage in that conversation. You're like, well, that didn't feel good. Why do I want to be part of that? So the way that, um, and then, and the other piece of it is uh, that the DI focuses really focused on uh, awareness and education. Um, so, like you should learn about these other experiences. Well, it's not possible for us to learn about all the things and all the experiences for all the people that that we work with and that uh, that are in the world around us. So the way that we at Hummingbird try to um, uh, shift the paradigm, and and we were talking about this um, a moment ago, and you were you, you were highlighting around the the paradigms of inclusive leadership. So it is happening, the conversation happening. I think it, we need to be more clear about it. Um, so our focus is on how do we develop the skills uh, to be able to see each other in, as our um, as humans um, to identify our shared humanity uh, to. Uh, then use that shared humanity as a catalyst to say, okay, well, John, you and I have different lived experiences. Let's learn about what what happened in your life. Um, And I think if we can start from we're in this together as humans, and we also have different experiences that allows space to understand systemic oppression in a different way. Uh, So that's, that's the, the, the real focus of our, our, the work that we do at Hummingbird. And I hope that that's what we're going to see more of is how, um this work can help the people and organizations uh have conversations that are building Bridges um and allowing us to see see each other understand each other um uh and acknowledge the the systems of oppression that impact others and then when you have that that, that opportunity to 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 understand um through a different lens then you can also then take action um and um, support the, the 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 change that's a that's in progress so um I hope that that's where we go from here is we do more of that and um and and look at the skills and the capabilities and build those muscles that are required for uh, these sensitive conversations uh, one other thing I would just mention very quickly there is' one of the other tenants of work, workshops that we do uh, around um that they, they we typically facilitate conversations around dei topics but the focus is on the conversation not the content and uh one of the, th- the things we say is, we don't expect you all to agree with that content that you that you, you know, watched or listened to. The goal isn't to agree. The goal is to understand, so that and then to have the ability uh, to um, engage with other humans in a respectful way. And um, we've seen that to be very powerful. So those are those are a couple of things that I, I think are happening, um, and I'd like to see more of.
0: Yeah. And I, I like getting away from the guilt and shaming portion and, and maybe that's coming from a place of privilege. We're both white dudes. I'm a, a, I'm a straight cisgender white dude. So I get it. Like maybe that's easy for me to say. Um, and in part, because I've, felt that. I felt awkward in those conversations, wanting to be an ally, wanting to do the best I can, not being quite sure when it was appropriate for me to even comment or how to comment. So that's hard on the one hand. Um, you, if you create a safe place where people can have those conversations without feeling like publicly shamed for, you know, being, uh, you know, racist or a bigot because they say something wrong, um, then that can help facilitate more conversations, which can help people, you know, move along the path, right. So that they can get better at this. They can build those muscles. They can, uh, they can learn the skills of, of having these inclusive types of conversations and interacting in, in meaningful ways. Um, and there, I mean, there are definitely people who are racist who are bigots. There are definitely people, um, not just microaggressions, not just implicit bias, but people who are, you know, really have issues that, um, harm other people that definitely happens. Uh, but, I do believe that most people are good. Most people are trying to do right by others. And most people, even if they might say something the wrong way, when it comes to just working side by side, someone that they, they value them, they appreciate them and they want to work well with them. And it doesn't matter that their skin color is different or they're a different gender or whatever. Right. I do believe that, but it's hard to get to that place where we can be patient with each other, where we can be understanding of each other, where we can give people space to learn and grow. Um, So that's like on the one hand, on the other side, I might come at this a bit differently. If I was, you know, say a member of the LGBT community, a black woman of color, something like that, you know, where it's, I have, you know, not embedded privilege, but I have systems of oppression that have been holding me down throughout my life. I might approach this and not even say what I just said. Uh, so I get that too. And that that's part of the hard conversation. And part of why I think what you were saying is important that we don't need to agree completely on this, but we do need to agree to, to hold space for people to express themselves, to be civil with each other, and to try to help each other move along the path. And if we can do that, I think we can get there. I really do. I am optimistic and I'm hopeful for you know the human spirit. I think most people want to do right by others. Most people want uh, to work in a place of harmony. <laughs> most people want uh, to to treat other people well. I believe.
1: Yeah, yeah, and I I, I appreciate. Everything you have just shared, and uh, I realized one of the things that, that I haven't done in this conversation is share anything about my identity. So, for those of you listening, uh, and because uh, you, you can't see see me, of course, I, I am also a, a cisgender white guy uh, like John. Um, I am um, gay, and I also am a person with a disability. I have three invisible uh, disability identities that I that I live with, and those are stories that I that I tell um, uh, in um, the spirit of just vulnerability and uh, helping others know that they're not alone. Um, so, but I, you know, I think it's such an important point, John, around, um, the fact that you and I are both cisgender white guys, so it's, so... And I and I get that sometimes there there are people who are in um highly marginalized communities that are like, Brian, you're sort of living in a fantasy land if you think that's gonna change things. Um and uh and that's okay. Like I I welcome those challenges. I think it's important that we have all voices in this conversation and those people that are um leaning into that emotion, whether it's you know anger or hurt or pain or whatever it is, and saying, I'm gonna use my voice and I'm gonna, I'm gonna name this and I'm going to challenge you. Um, I need those voices in my work as well. Um, I, I think the, the 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 hope that I have with the way that we approach this work at Hummingbird is if we can if we can shift the conversation and develop the skills um, to to really have those meaningful conversations. It allows for the the people that were previously feeling. Uh, like they were being blamed, uh, to be able to to move to a place of now, how can I hear this pain in a different way, and how can I be part of the solution? So that's the that's I think really the the goal. Although, although I haven't said it. That way before so this conversation as with any conversation it's always helpful to to continue to think about how are we trying to 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 honor the the realities of the impacts of of the of systemic oppression and um and how are we doing work that's driving change so um yeah so thank you for for saying all that i think it's it's and particularly you know one of the things that's important um for those for i think those of us that are white um and white cisgender um and men as well is to acknowledge our privilege in these conversations cuz um it, it, as much as I have learned, I, the reality is about the impact, the impact of oppression on others. I'm still a white guy and I can't sort of undo all of my experiences and put them aside. So uh, they do influence the way that I see the world.
0: Well, Brian, it has been a pleasure. I know at the time, I love this conversation. We could go on and on and on, but I'm going to have to let you go here in just a minute before we wrap up for today. I wanted to give you a chance to share with listeners how they can connect with you, find out more about your work and your team, and then give us the final word on the topic for today.
1: Sure, sure. Um, so, um, the if you'd like to connect with me, the best way to to connect with me is on LinkedIn. Uh, you can just search for Brian McComick, which is M C C O M A K, which is a strange spelling for McComick, but uh, just roll with it. Uh, and then Hummingbird Humanity, um, you can follow us on LinkedIn, Instagram, and Facebook. Uh, so um, keep in touch with us, and we have um, uh, we we one of our. Our, our mission at Hummingbird is to amplify the voices of the unheard. Uh, so that is the core to our, everything that we do. Uh, so if you if you join our community, you'll um, receive content and updates from a variety of different voices. Um, it's not centered around me, Brian McComick. Although hopefully you've enjoyed hearing from me today. Um, you know, I think on the on final word on this topic, uh, you know, what I. Um, uh, hope we can all do is uh as we continue to take steps forward to create diverse equitable and inclusive environments organizational cultures that are, where people feel like they belong um, is that we really do lean into our humanity um, and humanity is messy it's um it means that i make mistakes and i get things wrong and it means that sometimes i get to celebrate and have joyous moments and sometimes i'm dealing with a serious situation that i need to have a moment of levity to be able to get through it and um i think it, I, I just encourage us all to, to embrace our humanity. Uh, because I believe that if we do that um, in small ways and big ways, it's going to make a, an impact on, um, on the people that work at our companies and on the success of our company. So embrace your humanity, be real, be human. And it's a wonderful thing.
0: Yeah, thank you so much, Brian. It's been a pleasure. I encourage listeners to reach out, get connected, find out more about what Brian and his team can do for you. And as always, I hope everyone can stay healthy and safe. That you can find meaning and purpose at work each and every day. And I hope you all have a great week. Thanks again for joining us for this episode of the Human Capital Innovations Podcast. I hope you stay healthy and safe and that you have a great week. Check out my new book, The Future Leader, Creating and Transforming Next-Gen Organizations. Stemming from two decades of professional experience and over 600 in-depth interviews with executives, thought leaders, and scholars from across the globe. The Future Leader will help you explore the ordinary, everyday actions that will help you to prepare to lead in the future of work, to respond to an uncertain future, and to produce extraordinary results for individuals, teams, and organizations. Welcome to the Human Capital Innovations Academy, And our many course offerings and certificates to upskill and reskill for the future of work. The Alchemy of Truly Remarkable Leadership Ordinary, Everyday Actions that Produce Extraordinary Results.